This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Welcome to the interview on the Raptors Republic Podcast Network. I'm Andrew Damlin, and we are continuing our series on the Raptors 905. And today we have their color analyst for NBA TV. Her name is Amy Audibert. She's been doing it for a few years. She was a sideline reporter, then came into the analyst's chair. And I always tell people, if you want to learn something about the game, you watch her on the broadcast. Amy, how are you? Oh, I feel so much better after that wonderful compliment <laughs> thank you i'm good you know we're in the middle of an nba g league season so this is about as good as it gets right now for us right <laughs> yeah exactly it's been nearly a year since we had basketball so we didn't know if there was going to be a season so both of us breathed a huge sigh of relief when we found out that we were going to be working the g league just for a brief amount of time if, if anything and, and before we even get into how the 905 are doing i was just wondering how is it commentating with Akil from you know thousands of miles away just sort of logistically how, how's that going it's going I would tell you I mean we're up and running and going and that's the most important thing I will say this when we listen to and we've been doing this like listening to these NBA games now for since when did it restart like July last year you always hear the commentators make sure that there's note that we're doing this remotely and I totally get it because there are so many things that happen uh, within the game that the cameras don't pick up. And, uh, and so not complaining because so, so blessed to be doing it right now, but it certainly is different and it's an adjustment. And, um, and I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I hope it doesn't stay like this. I hope when everything normalizes or you know, we can safely get back to gyms that um, the networks and the company companies and decision makers um, still find value in having us in the gyms because there's certainly, we do miss a lot of uh, things, but at the same time, just being able to um, call basketball games is definitely something uh, I never take for granted, but in the middle of a global pandemic, not taking for granted. For sure. It's just a microcosm of, of everything, just trying to do the best you can in a, yeah. in a difficult situation in the most minor of ways in terms of the G League. And so in terms of the Raptors 905, there are six games into this into the season. So 40% of the way done in a 15-game sprint. They started out six games in, in eight days and their top first round draft pick, Malachi Flynn, sort of lit the G League up a little bit. He has put up a season high 35 points a few days ago, got his call up, played three games in two days, along with eight games in 10 days. And I was wondering from your perspective with him coming into the G League, you know, he hadn't played many minutes with the Raptors, so they were looking to get him minutes. What about him has impressed you the most in his time in the bubble? I'd say it's his confidence. I mean, just, we know he's, we know the young man is an incredible basketball player, right? We know he can play, he can create his shot um, with the best of them, which in this top level of professional basketball is maybe one of the more important things. 
Uh, but I think it's that, you know, I, I know you uh, asked the question a couple times after he took that late three <laughs> uh, in that 35 point game, quick, close game, quick into the shot clock, contested late three, and it went right through. Uh, and what did he say? We needed a bucket and they gave me a window. And um, I think, as, as you mentioned, like, yes, you're number one, first round draft pick. You go to a team like the Raptors, you get to spend an entire training camp and preseason with them, but you don't get to play. And I think you're humbled very quickly, but you, he didn't take a whole lot of time snapping back into having to play the role of being the guy and uh, just his toughness. I mean, what we've seen in the last, what, three or four days now, we know he's a great basketball player, um, but what he's done in terms of getting on a plane right after not even getting to eat a full meal until after that Milwaukee game, that requires an element of mental toughness as well. Right. So um, I'm just, it's like a total package and I really don't think he could be in a better organization. I really mean that um, than the Toronto Raptors. And, you know, he came into the G league, you know, with a great mindset, he didn't view it as a demotion. He said, I don't see this as a negative. It was a time to get his rhythm. You know, his season, like everyone else was cut short in March doesn't play a competitive game until preseason against Charlotte eight months later. So he needed to find his rhythm. And uh, in many ways he has, and, and you, you talk about that confidence. I mean, he's trash talking guys, every chance he gets on his way back to huddles. He was trash talking with Nico Mannion, the two way from the, from the warriors uh, a couple of times. And uh, when he gets an and one, you know, he's talking. So you, you kind of like that. It's very, you know, the Fred Van Vliet comparison is so easy, but it's, it's, it's also seems pretty true. Like mid-major school counted out uh, that kind of thing. But, you know, so we know about his offensive exploits, but what I'm super impressed about, and I wanted to get your take on, on his reads defensively, because it seems when he's jumping those passing lanes, they don't seem like gambles to me. They seem like really well-calculated risks. What do you see from him from the defensive end? You know, because he's he's coming in and Van Vliet's, you know, he's he's contesting for all defense right now, right? So what do you see from him on the defensive side of the ball? Same thing, the confidence. I mean, the guy, go, like you said, he jumps lanes. Those are sometimes often um, you're taking a risk when you do that, right? Because if you get burned, you're in trouble. But don't forget, I mean, and, and I know you've mentioned it and I get excited about it. And we do talk about this with the Toronto Raptors. He's the, the Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year. So as much as we want to talk about 35 points and being able to create a shot, he also has a knack for the ball on the defensive end. For me, it's his athleticism as well, right? Yes, he has a great IQ, but so you don't often see it kind of hybrid together where you've got a guy that, is extremely athletic. His body control is out of the world, out of this world, but then he also has the mental IQ, when to jump those passing lanes, high pressure, there's talking going on. He's just, he's a bulldog on that end of the court as well. And it's, you know, the 905 have talked about that first layer of defense being the problem in the first couple games. Well, I don't think it was as much for Malachi, a first layer, like he's in your face all the time. So uh, it's certainly been impressive on both ends of the court. Yeah, he's definitely impressed uh, his coaches. We spoke to the assistant coach, Eric Curry, today. He's been, he, you know, he talked about how impressed he was. And uh, Nick Stauskas also talked about how impressed he was. Uh, and he said uh, that, you know, he, they've let Malachi find his rhythm and, and he's really flourished. And Stauskas is kind of on the different end of the spectrum, if you will. You know, Malachi comes down as a first round pick. You're developing here, but we're priming you for the NBA. Stauskas, five years, an NBA veteran, out of the league, 
spends the next season in Spain before injuring himself um, in February. He had knee surgery. The G League was his first competitive basketball in a year. And, uh, you know, he's, he's already gone through like the shooter's slump and he kind of come back from it in the last game. He made four threes and, you know, the Mississauga kid, right? 905, obviously from Mississauga. I think everyone's big overhanging question is what does Nick have to do? What does he have to show in order to get that next chance to come back to the NBA? I think he's doing it. And I mean, I, I hammer on it all the time. He's getting to the rim. Everyone knows. And even Patrick Mutombo, you know, he's one of the best shooters in the world. He is. Everyone knows that's his specialty. But his shooting, his shooting numbers have been down a little bit to start the season. He's getting the free throw line, an average of three times a game, you know. And I think that's what you have to show. Now, don't get me wrong. He's got to start hitting some shots as well, right? But if the 905 can continue on with this kind of winning record and looking good together and teams are scouting, and it is situational. That's, I, I do believe for him, he hasn't stuck on a roster because of just what teams need. Um, but, you know, if he can kind of get set on fire a bit from long range because he has shown that ability to attack and, and also that will to attack, right? He's not just hanging out out there. Uh, I've been really impressed with that, to be honest, because even myself, like when we kind of pre-scout players, like, you know, the top of, of Nick scout is he's a shooter Well, he's doing a lot more than that. And then the other thing I would say for him, especially like on the defensive end, he does a great job playing gaps. And, and I think just, I don't know if, I don't know if it's a matter of him, like having to do anything outside of what he already does in terms of obviously making the shots, but taking them, he's going to get in rhythm. It's just going to be a matter of if, if the team needs a guy like that. So, so this is a non-technical question. And tell me if you see the same thing I do when, when Nick, you know, he's, he, he spots up, someone closes out hard on him. So he decides to attack the closeout and go to the basket. Does it ever look to you like, you're almost kind of holding your breath. It looks like he's kind of rushing, at least in his mind a little bit, even though he makes the decision, even though at least in this G league, he's really made the right decision. Most of the time, he thought, you know, he's got to the free throw line. He's made really nice kickouts. It just looks for just from an eye test point of view, like it's a little, it's just a little quick for him. It's not quite, it's, it's, he looks kind of herky jerky at times, a couple of turnovers, especially early in this G league season, he's had a bunch of turnovers. Does it just look a little bit uncomfortable to you or do you not see that at all? And, what do you what do you think yeah like i to be honest i really haven't seen it and i think I, i've seen some strong takes to the rim i think he's taking a lot of contact when he gets there uh it, as far as the turnovers maybe anticipating uh obviously as well the chemistry right i always say turnovers are it's an interesting stat because sometimes it goes under your name but it wasn't your turnover right so i, I mean i specifically couldn't tell you examples of that but I really haven't. I, I, I'm excited for him when he attacks. He often gets a first step on guys because they are running out to him. So, and then, you know, if, if they have a great rotation on the backside, the defense, and, and a kickout's not right, that's maybe some sloppy turnovers. Um, but I'd have to watch the film on those specific ones to be no, honest a, with you. It's just, yeah. I think it's just something I see. It's funny because I remember watching like a similarly, like Stanley Johnson while he was getting a lot of run with the, with the, with the Raptors. I'd also have that similar nervous feeling, but then you actually look at the box score and you talk to people who actually know what they're talking about. Um, and they're like, no, he's actually playing quite well. And you look back and you just see the game from a different perspective. So it, it's just, that's just my sort of personal take on it. When I see a couple of his drive to the take of the drive to the who another NBA veteran, 
that the uh, 905 have really showcased, and he's done incredibly well so far in the bubble, including a number of just ferocious dunks, poster dunks. I'm talking about Gary Payton II. What did you know about him other than, you know, he played 61 NBA games coming in? What did you know about him beforehand? And what surprised you about him in this uh, six-game stretch so far? Well, I know he's played on a lot of different teams. You know, and so right away you're going, what, why isn't he sticking? And, and I could, I, I know we're going to talk about that probably, right? Because that's what everyone's talking about is why isn't he sticking on? And my, I don't know, he's a 6'3 guard. That's the short answer. And to be a 6'3 guard nowadays in the NBA, like what are you doing that is ridiculously special? Because when you look at the teams he played on, like he, uh, he went undrafted to Houston I mean, James Harden, like he's fighting for spots with those guys. Doesn't work out. He ends up on a two-way with the Lakers. They're rebuilding their roster. Um, Washington, that's the one I'm like, Washington, why did you not, I don't know, like, well, I feel like Washington could, could use a Gary Payton, but even like he was in Portland's training camp. And I mean, look who he's competing at the guard spot with there for minutes, right? Uh, the other thing I would say for him is just he doesn't shoot a lot of threes. And at 6'3", like in the NBA, right? Uh, he doesn't make a lot because he doesn't shoot a lot. But I appreciate that about him. I think for me, like you look at the best teams, you have these role players. And it's funny call, think, considering him a role player because I think he's completely electrifying. Like you said, some of the stuff he does on the court, if you kind of break down his game where you just had an ISO camera on him, you'd be like, oh my gosh, you love watching him play. And especially on the defensive end, we're talking about his dunks, but my gosh, him defensively is amazing. I think that's a tool and a major puzzle piece in championship teams. And so I'm really, I would say this, like, I'm excited to see where he ends up next because someone's got to give him a go. Yeah, he's got a franchise record, seven steals uh, yeah. a few games ago. And some of them are of like the, the rude variety, like taking the ball with both of his hands and just grabbing it yeah. out of the other guy's hands and taking it the other way. He's and, on uh, ball and off ball. Like that's the thing that I find so incredible. He's not just an extremely like in your face on ball defender. Like he literally, as you said, he will take it out of your hands a couple of times. And then, and then a couple of games, especially against the Ignite, that was the seven steals game, I believe, right? Against the Ignite. Yes. He was picking him off like backside as well. He just wanted to, he wanted the ball, like he was going to get it. And so I think that's a bit of that veteranship kind of as well. But um, I just, again, I mean, listen, if I was a GM or a head coach, I'd be fighting for Gary Payton on my team because I just feel like that's a puzzle piece to a championship level team. Yeah. And the Raptors, not only have they developed players into, you know, from the 905 into the uh, NBA, but they've developed sort of quote older, <clears throat> excuse me, older players like, you know, Boucher 26, 27 coming up. Uh, and uh, Peyton is also, I think he's five years since he's been drafted. So he's somewhere uh, around there. So since undrafted, since his draft year, I should say. Uh, yeah. So it's not like in terms of accepting a role, like you mentioned, you know, he was asked about uh, coming off the bench and you'd figure someone who's, you know, five years in bounced around would, would want to start on a G league team, but he actually says, no, he, he thinks it's an advantage coming off the bench. He's, he sees how the offense is working and he's able to adjust to the flow of the game. So if you're talking about a role player and someone who has like a super special talent, well, that's a intangible thing, you know, being able to come off the bench, read what's happening and step in right away with the rhythm and not to mention his, his defensive abilities. And the guy's also just a pleasure to talk to. Yeah. So yeah, that's the, I think we're like biased because we all just really think he's like the greatest guy and he's just so fun. Uh, 
like what he brings to the team. But then like, as in our positions, right. Some guys you just, you like talking to a bit more because you really feel the like genuine kind of aura that they bring. I just, I find it so crazy. You know, he's a Bob Cousy, you know, this Andrew, like his senior year in college, he was a, the Bob Cousy, one of top 10 point guards in the country and he doesn't get drafted. It just seems like, is he, is he slipping through the cracks? I don't, you know, maybe there's a bit of that. Like we know that the names are so like polarizing. He's got a polarizing name though. Come on. Right. And, and, and he, it's funny. He, he didn't, he didn't like the, uh, the shadow that he, that he lived under uh, with his father as a, as a kid. And he said he actually soured on the sport during high school when eventually he sort of refound it and found a good coach. But uh, it, it's amazing talking to him. You'd think he'd be kind of like uh, maybe not, maybe standoffish or something like that talking about his, his past but he was just he's just plays with a lot of joy and he's thankful yeah. for everything he's yeah. had and, he, and he's just someone who's so easy to, to root for and uh, you, you talked about his genuine aura and another person on the 905 that has a very genuine aura is Patrick Matumbo uh, I've been super impressed uh, speaking yeah. with him um, what you know when you first I don't know when you first spoke to him I, I, the first time I did was his first media availability a, f- a few a few weeks ago but what stands out the most about about his about him as a coach and and a person from what you've from your interactions with him? Yeah, I think it's just that he talks about being a person first. We don't often get that, right? When we ask our questions, they're specifically about basketball or we get the specifically about basketball and uh, this is not an of offense to him or anyone else, but often head coaches do obsess about the game because it's their life and I understand that. But for for me anyways, he just he always talks about uh, just expectations and he, you know, he's an artist on the side. Like he really is. He, he has an art gallery, like, you know, and, and it's, it's cool. I think he, like, we've all needed to find some of the release in the past, like 10 months, really like that sticks out to me with him is like, he has these other things that are important to him. He talks about after a tough loss, he talked about, you know, spending some time on the phone with his kids and we don't, and, and really, Andrew, you have to believe that the guys really that are playing for him right now are appreciating that. This, this 15 games in 25 days is going to come down to the team that can just get it together the quickest. It really is, you know, and I just, there's this little extra um, nuance that he brings to this team where they're in this crazy situation. And yes, it's 90% about basketball. But that there's so much weight in that other 10%. And he checks all those boxes, in my opinion. But in terms of the basketball stuff as well, like, I love he's, he's kind of old school in that, like, you know, if he's upset about something, he'll say, like, that's not going to cut it for me. You know, if we, they got out rebounded. We have to make a decision just to go get the ball. Like, let's not talk about schematically where we weren't great or where we could be better. Like, let's just go get the ball. And, and so I, I appreciate that part of him, too. I, I just, I think he's, he's, he's really, uh, you never feel intimidated or threatened even after a loss. Uh, yeah, I would, I would, I'd imagine the guys feel pretty um, lucky to be playing with him right now. Yeah. I love the, 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 the word nuance. He is, he's definitely a nuanced guy. He's, he's self-aware enough to, he's, he's in his first year as a head coach. He's under some pressure too. I'm sure a lot of uh, from himself uh, that he puts on, but he talked about after that, uh, I think it was the G League Ignite uh, loss. He said, um, I, can't, I forget what the question was, but he said, he said, I'm too emotional right now to answer yeah. that type of question. 
Um, I I need to step back. Like you said, I need to talk with my wife and kids. I need them to tell me what went wrong and how I need to correct it. So he was, he's, he's, he's self-aware enough for that. And as a first year head coach, uh, that's, that's really important, you know, in Nick Nurse's book, um, and you can, you can hear the talking points that Matumbo sort of repeats from Nurse's book is when Nurse started out coaching, he said, I wanted to control everything. And my team was getting so, I couldn't imagine how tired my team was of my voice. And Matumbo said after that game, or after uh, I think Thursday's game, he said, what's going to be great for this team is to not hear my voice for yeah. a couple of days. And whether that's him not talking to them at all or delegating to his assistants, the guy is obviously very self-aware and he's just th- put so much thought into, into this, what's going to be a very condensed, stressful, <laughs> stressful season. I mean, you got to think about it for a second. Like not only is it 15 games, 25 days, they're also in a pandemic. They're also in a bubble. They haven't played in forever. They're in a h- higher competitive situation because more NBA talent is in the G League at this moment. So yeah. it's it's a it's a it's a crazy situation, and it's been it's been really entertaining uh, to watch so far. And they got you know eight eight more or I guess nine more games before they hopefully hopefully a couple more than nine, right? Right. But but the other thing too is like don't forget he he played in the G League, so he also remember what you remember when he said this is personal to me because he said like I've had my dreams denied, and I'm like then you're like wow. You don't often hear that because the G League is such a grind. And I don't care if you're saying in two and a half weeks or in, a, in like a regular season, it is a grind and it's tough. And Henry Ellenson, right, he spoke about just being impossible to play with this whole I need to call up mentality. Like, and, and so, again, to have a bench boss that has been there, that understands it, that knows what it's like to have success as a player, but also feel uh, just so unsure of things, but then be expected to go out there and perform, right? Like you just, that constantly spinning a new way of uh, making us aware that he, he's been there too. And, and that's, that's absolutely uh, very unique. Yeah, there's so much empathy there. And at the same time, I, I asked him once, you know, why did Nick Stauskas play 19 minutes in a game? And he's like, we needed a better option defensively. He wasn't yeah. giving it to us. So yeah. it, it, it's yeah, that mix. It's that it's that mix of old school yeah. and empathy that I'm sure, you know, and who and let's be honest, uh, for most of this roster, this month long period is going to be the only time they're all together. And who knows when they cross paths again. So to you, you at least see on the court that that respect level has been has been developed. And yeah, and we absolutely look forward to uh, the final nine games and hopefully the, the, the postseason. And, and, and that, there's just one more question that I had for you. And uh, I wanted to take a step out from the current um, G League, uh, the current Raptors 905 roster and talk about just the one guy that uh, the 905 have developed. And I want to use him as an example, because for me, trying to play a scout and figure out, will this person make it to the NBA has proved very difficult for me. Did I think Chris Boucher would be a rotation player, let alone make his first career start the last game (laughs) and and become like a key, key piece and be like, you know what, we could lose, the the Raptors can lose Serge and Marc Gasol and like they'll be all right in the front court, that kind of, did I think that could happen? No way. And I watched every G League game he played while winning the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, don't be too hard on yourself, okay? (laughs) (laughs) It's just just crazy. Like you figure you have an edge, you watch them that much, but 
let's talk about another player. I want to talk about Paul Watson. Mm -hmm. So he, for me, is a really uh, special case because he spent two unremarkable seasons in the G League previous to coming to the 905. Maybe it was three, actually. With Westchester. With Westchester, right? He was fine. He comes over and... Boom. And then boom, takes <laughs> yeah. takes oh, off. He gets oh. a ten day contract with the Hawks out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Like for you, as someone who really knows the game, what did you see that the Raptors nine hundred five were able to pull out of him for him to come out of nowhere and be and get an NBA contract this season? So that was kind of a lot of my questions last year. Is what's what is it this year? Because last year was my first year as the analyst, right? So I'm kind of like, okay, everyone talks about the development of like this program and these guys. Okay. What am I seeing this year? And, you know, if you watch some of the Westchester or talk to some of the coaches when he was there, he was a lot of the stand in the corner, let other guys go to work. Um, very limited touches, a, just a different system. And uh, here they gave him the ball a lot more. Right. And they cleared out of the way. And I mean, not to say, you know, he rebounded and I think he flew in there a couple of times, you know, and I just, I think there's something to be said about just like the empowerment that's put into guys here. We can't measure it, but there really is this whole thing that when you put on a Raptors 905 Jersey, you're getting an opportunity to impress the right people. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like you get in a game, you get touches, they're looking, uh, they, they really are trying to figure out how they can get the guys on the 905 into the Raptors. We, we talked about, I talked about it with Chad Saunders, the GM with about Alizé earlier. And he was like, you know, Alizé was in camp and we know that we got to get him shooting the three ball at his size. Like these are plans that are already put into place. And I, I think that could be one of the guys, you know what I mean? That, that might get a shot. But I think the same thing for Paul Watson, excuse me, Paul Watson was just like, he's an art program and, and how does he fit our system? Not um, stick him in the corner and see what happens. And I mean, the same went for Chris Boucher because Steve Kerr, when, they, when the Golden State Warriors um, played the Raptors early in the season, that came up in his media availability. And he said, you know, Chris, because Chris Boucher was with the Golden State Warriors and their G League, and they said, you know, they, they ended up waving him. I think they waved him or traded him. I don't remember. Did they waved him. Did they wave him? I thought so too. He wasn't a great ball. Like they, they weren't getting what they needed out of him with like in terms of ball handling. That was one of the things he, Steve Kerr mentioned. And I'm sitting there going like, it's crazy because I'm not di- taking away from the way Golden State operates because that's the way they operate where they're five, grabs the ball out of the rim and busts, you know, rim to rim. That's, Chris really isn't put in those positions here. Again, it's just getting into the system that is accommodating to you. And, and so I, I just, I know we're kind of, we got back to Chris because how can we not right now? Right, but I, that's I do fine. Think, but it's, it goes the same thing with Paul, right? It's just like, it's just being put in the right system. Yeah, no, the, the 905, uh, the franchise of the year now, as they can yeah. love I mean, to I boast. I'm so proud of them because it's true though. I mean, I'm telling you like the amount of support um, even for me, who, who I'm a broadcaster, like, let's be real. <laughs> We're not like top of the list, but no, I'm telling you, like, I feel um, super supported from everyone. And, and so I'm really, really happy with just like the leadership of the 905. I was so happy when that came out, like the day before the season tipped, um, the, the, the press release came out and it was, it was cool to start the season on that note. 
and then for them to be playing because they didn't open up this way last year, Andrew, if you remember. <laughs> I mean, right. Yeah. There was I'm a not yeah. saying we're yeah, we're right, not undefeated, this- but we're we're looking pretty good. Yeah, no, the team is looking pretty good. They they look like they're carrying that mantle uh, proudly, and uh, there's a reason for it. Uh, listen, Amy, we, we've taken up enough of your time. We we really really appreciate it. Again, everybody who's tuning into NBA TV to watch, just have a listen into Amy and learn something about the game every time you turn on the Raptors 905. Amy, thanks a lot, and have an awesome rest of the day.